well, it is a joy this evening to be able to hopefully shed some light on what I think is actually quite a weird part of the Bible. But before we do that, I have a challenge for you. If you had to choose five key moments to sum up your life story so far, what would they be? Now, I'm aware we have a range of ages. Some people might have a longer lifespan to kind of draw from them, others. But whatever the case may be, turn to the people around you. What would your five key moments be? Fantastic. Maybe someone said something really interesting and over our refreshments after, you can chat about that. Now, I spent quite a while, I spent quite a while pondering this question myself, and I think I narrowed it down to the following five. So I heard birth, that is me as a baby. Oh, I know. Um, that's the logo of my, the second primary school I went to. Apparently, I was quite shy before I went to that primary school, so that was quite a key moment for me. My graduation, when I finished uni, when I moved house recently, and when I started here at CBC. Now, the reason I want us to think about these key moments is because it's a really good demonstration of what we're hoping to do at CBC on the run-up to Easter. In our services, we're looking at some of the key stories from the Old Testament. That's the first 39 books of the Bible, with the intention of kind of summing up the big picture story of the Bible as a whole. Now, it doesn't mean that the other stories aren't important and not worth getting stuck into when you get the chance, but it does mean that hopefully each of the stories we're focusing on and going to get stuck into will some way help us to get our heads around the big picture story of the Bible. Now, like I said, today's story is particularly odd in some ways, but by the end of our time together, it is my hope that you understand why it is such an important part of this big picture story. But before that, why don't we zoom out a little bit first. The story, the story we're thinking about today is found in a book of the Bible, and that book is Genesis. And now when it comes to overviews of the different books of the Bible, the Bible Project is always my go-to. Really recommend if you're looking for an overview of each of the books of the Bible. And they really helpfully break down Genesis into two sections. First, God's in the whole world, so this kind of big-scale whole world thinking. And then secondly, God and this guy called Abraham's family, so slightly smaller scale. And in between these two sections, there's a story that kind of joins the two together and gives us a hint of the message of the whole book. In Genesis 12, God promises to bless Abraham and the whole world through him and his family line. In other words, God's big picture plan is to rescue and bless the world that has turned away from him. So God's big story plan involved the smaller story of one family. But boy, were that family messy. And that's where we pick up the story of Jacob this evening. I just want you to picture the scene. It's a big day for Jacob's twin brother Esau. Their dad, Isaac, has just declared that he wants to pass on his blessing. As the firstborn son of the twins, Esau is first in line. But not for very long. In a big scandal, partly organised by their mum, Jacob manages to trick his dad into giving him the blessing. Understandably, Esau is pretty annoyed by this, and Jacob is forced to flee his home to stay with a guy called Laban. 
now. When Jacob arrives in the place where Laban lives, he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel, and asks him if he can marry her. He agrees to work seven years for the privilege, and finally, the wedding day arrives. But it's a complete disaster. Laban manages to trick Jacob into marrying his other daughter, Leah, and Jacob now has to work another seven years to marry the woman that he is actually in love with. Surely, this story cannot get any more dramatic. Wrong. Over the next few years, Jacob has lots of children and decides it's finally time to go back home. Now, Laban isn't hugely happy about this idea and asks that Jacob stays. But after some slightly sketchy dealings with Laban and his property, Jacob and his family are on their way home. Word comes that Esau is on his way to meet Jacob with 400 men. And understandably, Jacob's a bit terrified. Now, in classic Jacob fashion, he tries to take things into his own hands and sends a gift to Esau as a peace offering. What happens next? Well, Tom and Hannah kindly read us the answer to that. The man who wrestled his brother for his father's blessing now wrestles a man who we find out in verse 30 is God. And he wrestles God for his blessing too. Now, if you can see past all of his kind of dodgy ways about going about it, perhaps you could be tempted to admire Jacob for his persistence and his perseverance in gaining blessing at all costs. But do you want to know the really ironic thing? Let me read you some verses from earlier on in the book of Genesis, which are found in chapters 25, verse 22 to 23. While she, that's Jacob's mum, was pregnant, the babies struggled inside her. She asked, why is this happening to me? Then she went to get an answer from the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your body and two groups of people will be taken from you. One group will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. I wonder if you notice what is going on here. These verses are from when Jacob and Esau were still inside their mum's tummy. Before Jacob was even born, God had already promised that he, Jacob, would be the one to get the blessing. And yet he spent his whole life wrestling for this blessing, trying to get it in his own way. In one sense, this strange story of Jacob wrestling with God is literally a picture of how he spent his whole life, scheming and tricking and wrestling for the blessing that was his to start with. Wrestling to the point where he was left wounded at the hip for the rest of his life. Now you're probably wondering what on earth does that story have to do with us here at CBC this evening in 2024? Now, I imagine the majority of us don't spend a whole lot of time physically wrestling with God for his blessing. But perhaps if we look deep down, we, like Jacob, all wrestle for the rescue, love and blessing that God promises in his big picture plan. I know that I certainly do on lots of occasions. I wonder if you've ever found yourself thinking some of the following. 
I'm not perfect, but as long as the good things I do outweigh the bad things, I'm sure God will accept me. Or maybe, oh dear, I've messed up for real this time. I've definitely blown it with God. Or perhaps, if I read my Bible and I pray and I go to church enough, God has got to love me. Now, generally, if you have those thoughts, which I'm sure many of us do, they don't result in a broken hip, but they are absolutely all examples of us fighting God for his blessing, trying to take things into our own hands. And like Jacob, there really is no need. No need because when we read the rest of the Bible, we realise this story of one family is streamlined even further into a story about one man. You see, Jacob, God's messy, wounded, chosen one, brought about his own pain. But Jesus, Jesus, God's ultimate chosen one, was not wounded as a result of anything he did wrong. No, he was wounded as a result of everything we've done wrong. On the cross, Jesus wrestled with God all the way to death so that we don't have to. This is the ultimate fulfillment of the big picture plan to rescue and bless the world that has turned away from him. We don't have to wrestle for God's love and blessing and acceptance and rescue because Jesus already has. And when we look at that story in light of the ultimate story that it plays a part in, we begin to see that stories like Olivia's and Abby's and Sam's and Lexi's and mine and yours can be part of this big story too. And as a result of that, we can learn some things from this story, this strange story to encourage us in our walks with God. First of all, nobody is too messy for God. I'm sure I don't have to tell you after this evening that on lots of occasions, Jacob really messed up. He lied, he cheated, and he failed to trust God when the going got tough. However, God still blessed him, and he was still chosen to be part of Jesus's family line. In the same way that Jacob was blessed in spite of his failures, we too can be blessed and rescued by God in spite of all our failures. However terrible you think your past might be, whatever you might do in the future, you can still be blessed and rescued by God because it has nothing to do with what you've done and everything to do with what Jesus has done. Nobody is too messy for God. And secondly, we can have a new identity. Notice the conversation between God and Jacob in verse 27 to 28. The man said to him, what is your name? And he answered, Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name will now be Israel because you have wrestled with God and with people and you have won. God changed Jacob's name, which aptly meant deceiver, to Israel, which means wrestles with God. Jacob's change of name was a literal symbol of the fact that he had done 
business with God, a symbol of the fact that he now had a new identity. Now at Dalestown, we spent quite a lot of time talking about identity. And I think we came to the conclusion that the topic can often be complicated and painful. But whatever others say about us, or whatever we think about ourselves as influential and important to process as those things are, when we are blessed by God, we are given an identity that is greater than anything else the world tells us makes up who we are. And embracing that new identity means God speaks new names over us. Child, friend, chosen, redeemed, treasured, just to name a few. When we give up the wrestling and put our trust in Jesus, we have a new identity. And finally, on the occasions when we do find ourselves wrestling with God, we will not be struck down. And like Jacob, we can approach God without fear of broken hips and condemnation because Jesus, Jesus has taken the blow on our behalf. As someone once said to me in my own particularly challenging time of wrestling and struggling, God's shoulders are big enough to handle it. He is able to shoulder our questions and our doubts and our confusion and our mistakes. We might wrestle against God, but he holds tight to us even when we feel like he is far away. The Bible is full of people overwhelmed by the questions and difficulties of this life, struggling with God and finding his love and his grace and his blessing. The same love and grace and blessing that's available to us here this evening. So, nobody is too messy for God. We have a new identity and we will not be struck down. Tonight, we've seen the big story, but hopefully we've zoomed in enough for you to see that you can be part of this story of blessing and rescue as well. Down at the front, we've got some blue material that I'm hoping sort of represents something a little like a river. The story that we've explored this evening was a key part in Jacob's life and the big picture story of the Bible. But each and every one of us, whoever you are, can be a key part of that story too. So some of my friends, I wonder if Livy, Hannah, would you be able to come as well and give out some pens? My friends are going to come and give some pens out. There's some paper under your chairs. And whilst the band comes up in a moment and plays, why don't you have a think about some of the ways you wrestle with God and write them down? Maybe it's something that you believe you have to do to be loved, to be accepted, to be blessed. Maybe it's something that's getting in the way of you coming to God. Maybe it's a situation or a struggle that's filling your minds with doubts and with questions. Whatever it is, in your own time, why don't you kind of come down to our river, come down to our river and lay them down. If you're ready to stop wrestling about a particular area, use this as a sign of giving up the fight and leaning into Jesus. And if there's an area where you've got wrestling still to be done, 
Why don't you use this as a sign of bringing that to God and trusting that his shoulders are indeed big enough to handle whatever it is you're bringing before him? As you do this, know that God loves you. He accepts you and he wants to bless you. We're not in any rush, but let's let this be a reflective space where we can meet with God. God can meet with us. Write down that wrestling and in your own time, come, come place it at the river. Come place it as an example of really leaning into Jesus this evening. And the band are going to sing over the top of this as we do that. Mm -hmm.